good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. What a beautiful day we've had yesterday and today. And, and uh, how many were out Wednesday night? What a, what a wonderful time we had Wednesday night worshiping the Lord. We are going to continue in studying the Word of God this Wednesday. And so I want to welcome you to come on out uh, for that as well. And so um, we're looking, it's exciting to see what the Lord is doing in the lives of so many people week after week have great opportunities to meet new people and just uh, just see the, just the unique um, tribe that God has brought together here at Integrity and it's just so exciting. Never enough time to get to know one another, right? And so uh, it's great to see name tags being worn and, and uh, that certainly helps us getting to know each other. So I encourage you to, to do that. You're thinking, well, why aren't you wearing one? Um, <laughs> Because I was told it wasn't allowed to. Supposedly, it doesn't look good on camera. It gets all funky. And so, I don't know. That's what I was told. I'm just doing what I'm told, right? So, um, hey, we're going to jump back into our study going through the book of Ephesians. We are kind of nearing the, the finish line of that. We took a little detour last week as we uh, celebrated Reformation Day. Uh, but we're going to kind of jump right back in looking at the armor of God, which is where we left off last week. We're going to break that up into two weeks, this week and next week. And um, uh, let me go where we picked up, or we left off last week. If you have your Bibles, let's turn together to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. I want to welcome those who have uh, jumped in online. Thanks for tuning in. It's good to have you uh, with us this morning. Um, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, Paul says... Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Paul says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand firm. Before we jump right into our text, notice what Paul points out here as the purpose or the goal of the armor of God is not just like to look shiny and have these like cool equipment going on, right? What's the purpose? The purpose of the armor of God that Paul encourages us to put on is that we might be able to stand he says it three times in this passage of Scripture in verse 11. He says, put it on that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. He says it again twice in verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. First, against the schemes of the devil. Secondly, in the, against, uh, withstand in the evil day. And then he says, and having done everything, having done all, stand therefore. And so the goal of the armor, right, the purpose of the armor is so that you and I might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, against the evils of the day, and against whatever else might come our way. As I mentioned earlier, the armor of God, what is the armor of God? The armor of God is the truth of God's word applied to our lives. And, and so what we see here is, you know, here's Paul, right? He's kind of like, he, he's, in this, um, he's in this Roman prison and he's, he's writing a letter to the church at Ephesus and, and he looks and there's a Roman soldier, likely he is chained to the apostle Paul and, and Paul in writing this letter to the Ephesians and talking about how do we stand against the schemes of the devil? What do we put on so that we might unleash 
truth so that we might stand. And looking at this Roman soldier, he starts to see the, the attire that the soldier is wearing. And using those various pieces of armor, he will use them to teach us how to unleash, how to apply truth into our lives so that we might be able to stand. It's what he's been saying all along in these passages of scripture, right? Chapters one through three, we see so much in there about who we are in Christ, what Christ has done. We see our position in Christ. As we move on in through the rest of it, we see how the practical outworking of our identity in Christ is to be lived out. And now as we looked at, now as we look at this, this next phase here, what Paul is saying is, as you're living out your identity, right, be aware of the fact that the enemy is going to try and take or pull the rug out from under you. He's going to try and take your feet out. And so you need to put on the armor of God so that you might be able to stand. Stand on what? Well, ultimately to stand on the truth, right? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, he says, and having done all to stand firm, to stand firm. Therefore, take up the whole mark of God. It's very interesting. He mentions that twice there. First, he mentions it, obviously, as a response to the schemes of the devil. You know, the devil wants to take your, take, pull a rug out from under you, right? He wants to trip you up. He doesn't want you to see yourself as God sees you, right? He wants to retard your growth. He wants to keep you from walking the goodness and the blessings of God. That's what he tries to do. He's the author of confusion. He is, he's a liar from the beginning. And so he is oftentimes scheming to see how he can confuse the child of God in such a way that they would forget who they are in Christ. But then he also talks about taking on the farm of God that you might stand in the evil day. There are some times in our lives that we go through difficult times. Things are outside of our, outside of our control, right? Circumstances that maybe it's health, maybe it's finance, maybe it's relational, whatever it may be. We all know what it is to walk through a time that is the, what we would identify as the evil day. We've seen people go through hardships in their lives, difficult times in their lives that, that because they weren't strong in the Lord, they collapsed like a, a deck of cards, a house of cards, when it got difficult. And Paul's saying, man, put on the armor of God that you might stand against the schemes of the devil and that you might stand on in that evil day. And then having done all, stand, therefore. It says this in verse 14, stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. This morning, we're gonna take a look at these first three illustrations that Paul will use of the soldier's attire. And then uh, if Jesus doesn't take us out of here, uh, next week, we'll pick up the, the, the rest of it. I'd prefer he preach it next week, amen? Um, but uh, in the event that he uh, tarries, we will be covering the rest of that next week, right? Um, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. I love the illustration that Paul gives here. I mean, what's the, what's the purpose of the belt, right? A purpose of a belt is to hold things together, right? A purpose of the belt is to keep things from falling. It's, kinda, it's to kind of keep the attire, keep everything kind of held in the place that it's intended to be as, you know, after you leave the house, right? We put the, the belt on to hold things together. Well, Paul is highlighting here that truth, 
The belt of truth is the very thing that, that holds all things together. Nothing causes breakdown more than lies, right? Nothing causes confusion and chaos and disarray and discouragement and, and nothing than lies. And so before we kind of get all caught up in that, right? Someone says, well, how are you doing? Well, I'm okay under the circumstances. Well, don't, don't get under the circumstances. What are you staying there for? Put on the belt of truth. Allow truth to define your circumstances and not the things around you, right? And so we see this idea of, of putting on the truth. Truth is what holds all things together. Well, now, all of the articles that I mentioned, as I mentioned before, all of them we will be looking at are connected to the truth of God's word. But see, the emphasis here is how the truthfulness of God's word causes us to respond as people of truth. How do we take the truth of God's word and apply it in our lives? It is what holds all things together. In other words, it's how truth that is apart from us, it's foreign to us, truth is not something you and I are born with. Truth is not something we're going to discover in the horoscopes. Truth is not something you're going to discover online. Truth is not something that you're going to discover just by a reflect. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Truth is foreign to us. It resides or originates from God. And so now as believers, we take the truth that originates with God and, it's, and we look to see how is that truth expressed or extended through us. That's the goal of the child of God. How is truth applied and expressed in our actions? Realizing who we are. Born again, believers in Jesus Christ. How is truth expressed in our actions? He says, put on the belt of truth. Next, Paul will introduce the breastplate of righteousness. What was that? Well, the breastplate was a large metal plate that would wrap around the soldier, kind of going all the way, um, uh, three quarters of the way around the back. The, the purpose of the breastplate uh, was, was obvious. It was to uh, protect the vital organs of the soldier in the event that, there was, um, that, that he found himself in battle. And so what role would that play in the life of the Christian soldier? Well, it's long been understood that the breastplate or the breast is the center point of emotions, the center place for our emotions, right? And more specifically, the heart is our center point of our emotions. And interestingly, the belt of truth, it deals with the, the, concrete, the concrete, just the facts reality, right? It's not negotiable. It's just, it's like, it doesn't matter what you think about it. Truth is truth for all people at all time. It originates with God. It's not up for negotiation. It is to be accepted and it is to be obeyed. It is just the facts, Friday, right? Just the facts, but this is a little bit different here. And this next piece of armor doesn't necessarily have to do with the, just, just the facts because the truth, it speaks to how we live. It speaks to how we think. It speaks to how we speak as believers. But this next piece of armor is presented to protect not how we think or, or speak or live, but it's here to protect how we feel. 
that protects the center point of our emotions. Let's not forget how important the belt of truth is to have wrapped around us. Because this breastplate of righteousness is going to be most effective when truth is what informs our emotions. And not necessarily how we feel about something. What our past experiences have been. What others have told us. You see, the breastplate of righteousness, it guards our emotions and it guards our emotions by not making us and holding us captive to the lies and the stinking thinking from our past, but instead it informs our emotions with what God says about himself and about us and about truth in general. It's a very important part of the Christian armor. Now, there's two components that we need to recognize in this description that Paul gives. He's, obviously, there's the, there's the breastplate, right? But then he defines what this breastplate is made up of. He said it's the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. This, this subject of righteousness is, is very significant for the Christian. We're born sinners, Man is born unrighteous. Man is born separated from God, right? We talked a lot about that as we, as we entered into this study through Ephesians. We saw that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were as bad off as we possibly can be. We were far from God, right? But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with us, he made us alive together in Christ Jesus, right? And how did he do that? He applied, he gave us the righteousness that is necessary so that we might stand before God. You see, your awareness of your position before God needs to be worn like a breastplate that protects your emotions. Because the first thing Satan wants to do is to confuse you about who you are in Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to see yourself as God sees you. He doesn't want to see yourself as accepted. He doesn't want to see yourself as as loved. He doesn't want you to see yourself as embraced. He He wants you to see yourself like the most hurtful people you've experienced in your life see you. Because he's a he's a liar from the beginning. And see, that's why Paul went into And it's so beautiful to see how Ephesians so weaves together all throughout. Those those opening chapters are so foundational to us understanding who we are in Christ because when we understand who we are in Christ, it defines for us how we are to live our life in Christ. But we recognize on the battlefield of relationships, there's going to be some war. There's going to be some conflict. Some of it's going to come from people. Some of it's going to come from the enemy. And so we need to make sure how do we guard ourselves on those battlefields of on the battleground right so that we can walk in the victory and walk in the identity that we have in Christ so what does it have to do with the breastplate of righteousness well we recognize that our emotions need to be informed by the righteousness that we've received in Christ there's nothing we can do you see one of the schemes of the devil is to assault your emotions. Have you discovered that? Now, he doesn't show up in a red suit and a, and a pitchfork and a, and a painted face like somebody might have done this week at your door. Sometimes he comes in the form of people who love you, people who like you, as well as people who don't like you and don't love you, 
right? But the, the, the scheme of the devil is to assault your emotions. You see, he knows that if he can influence how you feel, he will influence the way you live. Isn't that true? You don't have to raise your hand, but I know it's, about the, it's true about the person next to you, that if that person is feeling like dirt about themselves, it's going to affect the way they live their lives. He wants you to question, are you really, am I, re am I really a child of God? I mean, oh, I know what goes on in this mind. I know those reflex reactions. I mean, how can I possibly be a Christian? I mean, I fail in this area. I mean, can God really forgive me? I mean, I've had to come to him for forgiveness over this area time and time again. And he loves to whisper in our ears and through the mouths of other people what a failure we can be. And you see, and the moment he finds a Christian, this is very important, the moment he finds a Christian who thinks their righteousness is attained by how much they read their Bible, is, is, is attained by how much they go to church. Or most Christians wouldn't say, well, that's how we attained it. But a lot of Christians would say, this is how we keep it. You see, what we're, while we were as bad off as we can be, right, when we were in our worst case scenario, when we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. When you're in the worst possible state that you could be in, Christ extended the most amount of grace for us. But it's interesting how familiar we can get with that message. We think that what God started and put in motion to embrace us, we now have to complete for him so that he can continue to love us. He can continue to embrace us. He can continue to accept us. And so we think, well, obviously now that, 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 that I've been accepted, it's really necessary to keep this thing going by how much I read my Bible, how much I go to church, how perfect I am, how godly I sound, right? How elegantly I pray. And you see, the moment he finds someone who ties their righteousness to their efforts, he will unleash an assault on your performance. The moment he can get us thinking that what we do is what keeps this relationship, and we've ventured away from the belt of truth at that point, he will unleash an assault on your performance. That's very easy to do, by the way. Because what do you really do that doesn't have some taint of sin in it, some form of, of pride in it? I mean, you know, the most... The most wonderful expression of generosity is still tainted by sin. All of our good works, Isaiah says, are as filthy rags compared to God. I mean, weigh your works by God's standard of perfection, and we, we fall very short, don't we? But see, if he can get the Christian to start thinking that it's how we perform, that my acceptance by God is going to run parallel with how well I can perform, once he's got you there, he will assault your performance and discourage you. When you fail to remember what makes you a Christian, then that becomes the bullseye. That becomes ground zero for Satan's attack. So you're a Christian? I mean, how can you say that if you're a Christian? I mean, 
how can you slip up again in that? Who do you think, like really, if everybody knew what was going on in your mind, what kind of Christian struggles with that? What kind of Christian thinks like that? Aren't you glad that people can't read your mind sometimes? I'm not giving permission for those things. I'm just recognizing the fact that we are flawed people and we are desperately in need of the grace of God. And if I think that I can do anything, I could present anything, that I can give anything that is going to be on its own merits satisfying to God, well, then I have lost my understanding of the gospel. Right? And, the, and, and when the enemy can get you to that point where you start thinking that, and then he starts highlighting, well, what about this? And what about that? And you see, if that becomes the foundation of how you feel like God is, is gauging whether he loves you or loves you not, it's just a matter of time before you're going to get really discouraged and really aware of how far short you really fall. It's a scheme of the devil. Usually it takes place in the playing field of relationships, by the way, right? People usually are the ones that let you know those things. That's why it's so hurtful and so emotional. You see, he knows if he can get you walking in shame. He knows that if he can get you just feeling guilty enough, if he can get you feeling like a second-class Christian, just not as good, if he knows if he can get you just riddled with guilt and shame and anxiety and walking in fear, well, then he's got you right where he wants you. Because over time, the way you feel will influence the way you live. The way you feel will inform the decisions that you make. It will define the values that you have and the people that you trust. You see, when our emotions aren't informed by God's word, it results in that roller coaster Christianity that's up and down and up and down and up and down. As James says, a double-minded man, unstable in all of their ways. And so critically important that we recognize that our standing before God, the righteousness that we have before God is solely on the merits of Christ. We have this breastplate of righteousness that is given to us by Christ's righteousness himself. Do you see the strategy? That's how he sets us up. Gets the question. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. When those feelings of shame and guilt come in, we ought to take captive those thoughts. And hold them up to the light of truth. Now, listen, sometimes, sometimes guilt and shame come in because you're guilty and you've been in an area of sin, right? And you need to repent of that thing and you need to bring it to God and ask God's forgiveness. John says that if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all of unrighteousness. And so oftentimes that guilt or that shame or that distance we're, we're feeling is God's way of letting us know that our actions are, are inconsistent with our nature. And the way God gets our attention, that we're not walking the way he wants us to, is we start feeling really crummy about ourselves and really guilty and ashamed. And we start to think, well, where did God go? God didn't go anywhere. Sometimes we just need to repent of an area of sin in our life and embrace 
the forgiveness and the acceptance that we have in Christ, but that sin isn't what defines you. His righteousness is what defines you. And so when those thoughts come in, you take captive those thoughts. You, 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 you hold those emotions in, in light of truth about what God says, and you put on the breastplate of righteousness. You start thanking Jesus that, thank you, Jesus, you came, you paid the price for my sin. Thank you that when I was in my worst possible state, hey, maybe you were a drug addict, maybe you were a, a womanizer, or maybe you, whatever you, or maybe you were just a good moral person that was still incapable of, 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 of receiving Christ, whatever your situation was. Jesus stepped in. And Jesus, thank you that no matter what condition I was in, you came in and you loved on me and you accepted me. And see, so we start putting on that breastplate of righteousness. Because here's the thing, the enemy loves to operate in the arena of condemnation. It's one of the greatest tools in his belt. He loves to make you feel condemned. He, makes you, he wants you to feel like, you know what, you've crossed the line, it's too late, there's no way out. That's how you know it's coming from the enemy. When you've committed an area of sin, and you, or whether it's past or present, and you feel like, I've just crossed the line. That's the enemy telling you, that's condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing you've done is incapable of, the blood, of being forgiven because of the blood of Christ, right? And so when those things happen, we, we need to remind ourselves, that's not who I was, I'm, I'm a son, of God. I've been adopted into the blood, beloved. I, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I've been made alive in Christ. I'm chosen. I'm redeemed. I'm precious. I'm loved. I'm blessed. I'm in Christ. You see, when you do that, you're putting on the, what is it? That's the truth of what God says about you. That's the breastplate of righteousness. And that will go contrary to how you may feel about yourself. But what but truth needs to inform how you feel. These are the truths of what God says about you, about what God has done for you. They wrap around you like a belt and inform your emotions so that you might stand against the schemes of the devil, against those attacks and against the evil day in those evil days. As I said before, the goal of putting on the armor is is that we might stand, right? It's not, it's not about going after the devil. I can't stand some of the terminology that people talk about. Like they're, like they're gonna you know, open up a can on the devil, really? We need to understand something, that, that the battle is the Lord's. And as, as Augustine said, the devil is, is God's devil and he will, he will control and, 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 and keep the devil at bay in our lives. You and I don't have the power to do anything to the devil in and of ourselves, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so instead, of, this passage of scripture isn't about how we go off on the devil. This entire section is about how we stand as victorious children of God. How do we allow our identity to inform the way we live our lives and reflect the Jesus that saved us? Paul instructs us on how we can stand against the schemes of the devil, how we can stand in that evil day, which makes the next article of armor that much more understandable. We have the source of truth wrapped around us. 
It informs how we live and how we think and how we speak. We have the breastplate of righteousness covering our heart, the center point of our emotions, which impacts how we feel. And now Paul says in verse 15, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. As shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given as the gospel of peace. What I want to point to your attention is that this isn't so much about the shoes. A lot of, deal, a lot of a big deals always oftentimes made about the shoes. This isn't so much about the shoes as much as it is about readiness as shoes. That's what he says. Put on readiness as shoes. The soldier's shoes were very important uh, we were a very important article of clothing for uh, the Roman soldier. Uh, prior to um, uh, the, 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 the Roman soldiers of this day, uh, the, the sandals that they would wear, they kind of had like a, just a very leather bottom. And, and oftentimes while in battle, they would lose their footing because they were going face to face with people. You ever kind of go face to face with somebody wearing socks on a, on a wood floor? It's always a fun thing. I kind of like, you know, slipping and sliding and kind of thing. Well, that's kind of like what they had. But, but the sandals that the Roman soldier wore were different. They were leather soldier, this leather sandals that kind of went all the way up the calf. But, but the real significance, the real game changer for this, uh, this piece of armor was what was underneath the, the, the um, sole. And it was these metal studded cleats that were attached underneath. Now to you and me, it's like, I, know, I got a pair of Nikes. They do that. I get that. But for them, that was a big deal because they didn't have anything like that before, right? And so up until that point, they were slipping and sliding all over the battlefield. But now with the invention of these, these cleats, they had these metal studded cleats that when a soldier would be engaged in battle, he'd kind of plant his feet in and stand his ground. And no matter what was coming his way, he stood there immovable. And what Paul is saying here is you take the truth of God's word. You wrap it around yourself like a belt. You allow the truth of God's word be the very thing that informs your emotions. And you take that truth and you stand your ground and you don't let anything move you from the truth of that. You stand your ground. Position yourself with the readiness you see, you couldn't, you couldn't do that. You're just slipping and sliding all over the place. The readiness of the gospel of peace. What does this readiness look like? Well, Peter talks about it. He says this. He says, be sober, right? Be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, he prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Be ready. Now, we're not to be walking, like looking at, like for a devil under every bush, bush, but we do need to recognize that there's a very real enemy out there who does not like us, who hates God. And because we are the object of God's affection, he tries to take out the standing by which we stand. And Peter says, be sober, be watchful. Paul says the way in which you stand against the, the schemes of the devil is you put on these as, as shoes, be ready. It's the planting of your feet so firmly in the truth that there's no room for a lie. It's the readiness that we are called to put on. It's the game face. It's go time. 
It's when you wake up in the morning, you realize that things are going to come my way. They're going to try to distract me and get me off course. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I'm going to allow truth to inform my day. I'm going to allow what, how I feel to be governed and informed by what God says about me. And no matter what com- comes my way today and things will come my way, I'm going to position myself. I'm going to be ready for it. So when that lie comes my way, I can deflect it with truth of God's word. I find it interesting what Paul says here. He says we we are to extinguish those lies with the truth, or as Paul calls it, with the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. I find it interesting that that in the midst of this discussion about warfare, Paul's talking about peace here. You see, the gospel is a a gospel of, of peace. When sin entered the world, peace was lost. Chaos was the result. All that God created good was affected when sin entered the world. All of the sickness, all of the disease, all of the hatred, all of the the divisions and the despair, all of the chaos that we see so prevalent in our world today is the result of sin in the world. Brothers and sisters, things are not as they were designed to be. This is the world we're in, but there's a day coming where the presence of sin is going to be gone. Amen. And we're going to see him and everything's going to be as it was designed to be. But until then, we're going to battle. Until that, until then, we're going to push through. Until then, we're going to hold firm in our faith. The gospel reminds me that God is sovereign that God is in control, that God is all-knowing, that he is all-powerful, that he is all-present, that he is all-wise. John says that God is love. It's the very essence of who he is, but not only that, he directs his love towards you and towards me. And so it reminds me that no matter what is coming my way, I've got a loving God who is all able and all powerful and all loving to help carry me through it. And so what Paul is encouraging the church at Ephesus to do, as well as all of us who are reading this, is this, know the truth. As we look at the armor of God, what is it? It is the unleashing of the truth of God's word. But if you don't know the truth, John says, you shall know the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But if you don't know the truth, you're not going to walk in freedom. And you see, all of what Paul is talking about all throughout the book of Ephesians is an, is an embracing and an, an, an applying of God's truth in such a way that our position in Christ will walk in, in alignment with our, with, our, with our ways. Stand therefore having Fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I pray to God that this challenges you to get into the word of God, to know what God says about you. Something happened the day you embraced Jesus. When you became alive in Christ, 
You didn't just adopt some new belief system. You came into union with Christ. You are in him. And the devil doesn't want you to know that. He does not want you to know who you are in Christ. It's in knowing who we are in Christ that all the blessings and all the purposes and all the plans that God has for us come into fruition. And Paul will give us some instructions using the imagery of a soldier's armor on how do we unleash truth so that we can walk as we've been designed and called to walk. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that um, you have uh, preserved this for us so that we can understand your heart towards us. Thank you, Lord, that, we, that, that, that your grace is sufficient for us, that you give us the ability to carry out that which you call us to do. We recognize, Lord, that in and of ourselves, we can't do this, but we recognize that, Lord, with you and through you, we can do all things. And so uh, we recognize our dependence upon you. Lord, help us, Lord, to um, read these truths, apply these truths, and live out these truths to the glory and majesty of Jesus Christ. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.